This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Well, good afternoon and welcome to Vancouver Consumer. I'm Sterling Fox, and in just a few minutes, Ilya Margulis, Vice President and Licensed Insolvency Trustee with BDO First Call Debt Solutions here in Vancouver, will join us with lots of useful information about how to enjoy the summer ahead without getting into debt. Yes, it is possible to have lots of fun and not blow your budget this year. We'll have lots of tips and practical information, too. But first, here are some of the top consumers stories we're following this week. And as long as we're talking summer, a few short weeks ahead of the fact, so is the Weather Office, which just issued its official forecast for summer 18 or 2018 this week. The annual summer outlook for June, July, and August again this year is, well, things looking hot. Western Canada in for a hot dry summer, while temperatures will be close to normal from the Great Lakes all the way through to Atlantic Canada. There will be normal rainfall during June, and we could use a bit of that around Metro Vancouver with grass fires being reported regularly these days. And the wet conditions in June are expected to slow the start to wildfire season, but that won't last long. Drier weather is expected during July and August, especially across the southern interior, and this could result in another active wildfire season, says the forecast. Near normal precipitation is expected in the mountains with typical summer thunderstorms that will bring torrential rain at times. Summer 2018 officially arrives just over three weeks from now on June 21st. Unfortunately, the wildfire season has already begun. Early risers and night owls will save money on BC ferry sailings again this summer. The ferry service's annual sunrise and sunset promotion started yesterday, June 1st, and means that more than 2,000 early morning and late evening sailings will be cheaper than usual. Select sailings will be discounted to, uh, discounted rather, to either $49 or $59 for a one-way standard passage vehicle and driver on the Tawasin Swartz Bay, Tawasin Duke Point, and Horseshoe Bay departure routes. Uh, select return trips will be available on the Horseshoe Bay Langdale route to the Sunshine Coast as well. Space on these promotional sailings is available on a first-come, first-served basis. There will be some reductions for RVs and campers, too. The reduced fares run right through September 30th. Passengers can make reservations for 10 bucks if booked at least seven days in advance. Details of this promotion and the Sailings that are included are all at bcferries.com. As we predicted on this show last week, the Bank of Canada took a pass on raising interest rates at its meeting this week, but also signaled that the next opportunity to do so will be in July. And at that time, we will almost certainly see an interest rate across hike rather across Canada. This week's imposition of tariffs on steel and aluminum and Canadian retaliation have increased cross-border tensions between our two countries, and that tension has also created a climate for interest rate increases due to the Bank of Canada's worst fear inflation. While the bank talked about being cautious and gradual in their approach a couple of days ago, they also referred to a boost in interest rates as being needed over time. And that is code for heads up, they're coming. Our next opportunity for the central bank to raise interest rates will be July 11th. 
and in what will be the single largest minimum wage increase in recent memory in B.C., the provincially mandated minimum wage increased by $1.30 from $11.35 per hour to $12.65 per hour, as of yesterday, June 1st. The hike was first announced earlier this year as part of the NDP's four-year plan of incrementally increasing the minimum wage each year on June 1st until it reaches at least $15 an hour. The schedule and rates are based on the recommendations of BC's Fair Wages Commission. The last minimum wage increase in BC occurred in September of last year when a planned increase of 50 cents an hour from the previous Liberal government went into effect. Minimum wages will go up to 13.85 per hour next year and eventually increase to 15 an hour by 2021. Ben Dooley will have more on this later in the show. And Canon announced on Wednesday it would end the sale of its EOS 1V, the last remaining model of film camera the company has sold in Japan. Sales of film cameras have been on the decline due to the spread of digital cameras, as we well know. Canon actually stopped making the EOS 1V in 2010, and they're just currently shipping what stock they have remaining. They say they'll continue to accept repair orders and other inquiries until 2025, even after finishing selling the product. Canon's film cameras have been here for 80 years since the company's predecessor released the Hansa Canon in 1936, an official end of an era. More stories later, but right now, get your questions about debt and budgets, keeping your head above water, and how to enjoy summer without blowing the bank ready. Ilya Margulis from BDO First Call Debt Solutions is coming up right after this break on Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. And welcome back to the program. Kind of a hazy Saturday afternoon, up around 20 degrees in downtown Vancouver. Four cruise ships docked right now at Canada Place. You think it might be tough getting a taxi this afternoon downtown? Good luck with that. Three more coming in tomorrow and three more coming in on Monday. A total of 10. These ships each represent $2.8 million to the Vancouver economy, each one. So in the next two days... $28 million will be rolling literally off the decks of cruise ships into our city. Ilya Margulis is in studio. Mr. Margulis is a uh, vice president and licensed insolvency trustee with BDO First Call Debt Solutions, making his first visit to Vancouver Consumer. So welcome. It's good to have you with us. Thanks, Sterling. Very happy to be here. Well, it's good to have you along. And uh, I noticed that we just ran one of your commercials there during that break. And uh, BDO referred to itself as they gave themselves three hats, (laughs) credit counselors, uh, consumer proposal administrators, and licensed trustees. You're all three of those, aren't you? Yes, exactly. With our hat as a licensed insolvency trustee, we act as credit counselors and we act as as, trustees. Proposal trustees as well, or proposal administrators, rather. Okay. Uh, And the the consumer proposal, we're going to get to that in a few minutes because this is something that I think, and I'm looking forward to it, uh, because this is something that uh, people who are struggling with debt uh, need to know about. And I don't know how many people are even aware of that option, Ilya. So we'll get to that in a second. But we did talk about having fun in the summer of 2018 and not ending up on Labor Day being so far behind the financial eight ball that that'll just wipe out a a summer of fun for us. So how about some organizational structural stuff here on all of that? Well, summer is really the time that 
you know, we sort of tend to let go and focus on having fun. That inevitably results in us spending more money. Uh, statistics or surveys find that most Canadians actually end up saving less, spending more, and going further into debt when it comes to the summer season. I believe that. And you know what? It's There's nothing wrong with having fun in the summer. There's nothing wrong with getting together with family, barbecues, uh, going away to the cabin, uh, you know, going on a road trip somewhere on a vacation. But it's all about planning. It's right. making sure that we've got a solid budget and sticking to it. Right. Now, so this is something, and I, I can remember uh, my kids going to school here in Greater Vancouver, and uh, in their high school years, they took something called CAP, a Career and Personal Planning. It was a mandatory high, high school course that they all took and they all ignored. Uh, and, you know, that would have been a really smart opportunity at that level, grade 11 or 12, mature enough to understand what's going on, to maybe spend a little time on budgets, structure, planning, organization. How about balancing a, a, a bank account. None of that stuff was dealt with by the education system. And that really is a huge, huge weakness in our education system. As of right now, most of us know that we should have some sort of plan as to where our money is going. Sure. But the vast majority of us simply don't. Right. Uh, and the biggest thing when it comes to savings for a lot of people is, well, if I've got anything left over at the end of the month, well, that's what's going to go into the savings account. Right. If you do it that way, I can almost guarantee you that there's not going to be anything there at the end of the month. Right. And and is how important is savings in terms of organizing your month? Savings really should be the first thing you think about. Uh, if the goal at the beginning of the month is to say, okay, I want to set aside 200 bucks for savings. Mm-hmm. Do that right away. Pay yourself first. Once you've paid yourself, then everything else sort of falls into place. Okay. Transfer that money over. And savings is one of those things that counts for everything. You, you've got to kind of plan and save for your summer vacation. Plan and save for the summer bar- barbecue at Labor Day. Mm-hmm. It's a lot easier to say. Let's just say for an example, uh, you're planning a barbecue is going to cost you 500 bucks. It's going to be really hard to come up with $500 in September. Mm-hmm. But if you say start planning for that now and say, okay, well, all I've got to do is set aside 150 bucks every month for the next three months. That's a lot easier to do than trying to come up with 500 bucks in one shot. That's right. And takes a lot of pressure off uh, you uh, at, at the time of the party, uh, not being 500 in the hole that you hadn't particularly counted on. That money's been set aside for a while. So it's all about planning. But, you know, and I appreciate that. But, you know, we have to temper that, Ilya, with the reality of living in the most expensive city in Canada. It costs a fortune to do anything in Vancouver, whether you're paying off a mortgage, trying to rent and find a place that's reasonable, and good luck with that, with rental rates approaching 0%. Uh, and, and gas, what, it's down to a bargain rate of a buck fifty-five this afternoon. Wow. Uh, uh, so, a lot of people, and there's a survey from the uh, Moneris people who, who basically said people are about $200 away from a financial crisis in a lot of situations, and that's literally month to month. So again, how, how do we structure? Give us some, some, some pointers here on, on dealing with the, the serious reality of the cost of living and still managing to rise above it, set aside a few bucks for a few laughs, and maybe the future. You know, Sterling, it's one of those things that uh, in BC in particular, 
uh, something like 60% of British Columbians are living paycheck to paycheck. I believe that, that too. That means they've got nothing left over at the end of the month. Right. Uh, and the only way to deal with it, when budgets are tight or when the amount of money you've got to spend is limited and costs are high, the only way to deal with it is by being extremely, extremely diligent with your planning. Mm-hmm. You have to start out the month by saying, okay, what did I spend last month? Uh, will my expenses be the same? Start off with the fixed things, your rent, your car payment, uh, mortgage if, 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 if there is one, mm-hmm. uh, electric bills, phone bills, whatever else that might be. Then all the things that sort of fluctuate, groceries, gas, uh, entertainment, and plan the exact amounts that you're planning on spending on those categories. But just putting together the budget is not enough. You then have to track and see where you are against that budget. Uh, so if you're, you get two weeks into the month and you plan on spending 400 bucks on groceries and you've already spent 350 Yeah, right. Uh, well, you've got a problem. Mm-hmm. And if you're not planning, if you're not checking, well, then you end up with a couple hundred bucks on the credit card that you're carrying forward at the end of the month. Right. But if you are tracking, you can say, okay, I've hit the cap on this. That means if I'm going to spend more on groceries this month, that means I've got to spend 100 bucks less on entertainment. And you make that adjustment as you go. You're borrowing money from the entertainment account and spending it on uh, groceries instead. Then the next thing is at the end of the month, when you're planning for the next month, you look back and say, was that a one-off? Mm-hmm. You know, did, was the reason that uh, the groceries were so high that I had some family come visit and stay with me for the week? Sure. Or is this going to be a permanent change? If it's a permanent change, that means I've got to re- redo the, the budget. budget altogether. That's right. Absolutely. So um, in terms of, of the organization of it all, Ilya, it, it's – and you say pay yourself first, and I agree. And that money has to be a reasonable amount of money because uh, you'd, you'd want to pay yourself a 1000 bucks a month if you could. But if you can't really afford that, you have to be realistic with yourself. But at the same time, don't shortchange yourself, Right. Exactly. There's a sweet spot in there somewhere, isn't there? It, it really is. And even the smallest amount of savings that you're putting away adds up over a period of time. Mm-hmm. 50 bucks a month is $600 at the end of the month. That's right. At the end of the year. Now, yeah. for somebody that spends on uh, cash rather than debit cards or credit cards, uh, it becomes a, even a, even simpler game sort of to say, every time you get home, you've got a, a buck or two of change in your pocket. Mm-hmm. Put that aside. A buck a day is 30 bucks at the end of the month that you've saved. Mm-hmm. And that all adds up. Every little bit does add up. And yes, to your point of uh, saying $1,000 is not reasonable, of course. Right. If, you, if you say there's going to be $1,000, you're inevitably going to be transferring that into the savings account and a week later transferring it back. Exactly. What you want to do is put an amount in there that you know you can keep in there and you never want to play the back and forth game. And then, of course, when you get, you know, and, and you're talking, uh, uh, right, about uh, how many, uh, did you say 60% or 61% of British 60%, Columbians yeah. literally living paycheck to paycheck? You know, okay, so you're driving home from work and the muffler falls off your car. Well, there's another three or 400 bucks you absolutely had not planned on, and that's likely going to be needed to be attended to rather quickly. So, off it goes to the credit card, usually, right? Exactly. That's what happens to most of us. But that's where you've actually got a plan for the unexpected. You, uh, you budget for the things that are going to come up that you didn't plan on. So that's where you set aside uh, 20 bucks a month. It mm-hmm. goes into uh, an account for the rainy day. Right. Uh, and with most banks nowadays, savings accounts are free. And when you go into online banking, you can give 
uh, each account a nickname. Okay. You can nickname an account the Rainy Day account. Right. The Vacation account. The Summer Barbecue account. Ah, uh, and the Emergency Fund. Ex- exactly. The Catastrophe Cash. And it's, it's actually kind of fun. Let's say you're planning on going on a really fancy vacation next year. And you know that's going to cost you 2000 bucks. Uh, in order to get there, you've got to set aside, say, $200 a month. Mm-hmm. And as the year goes on and you're transferring that money over into that specific account, you're actually getting closer and closer to your goal. Right. So you can make a bit of a game out of it. Well, and I suppose that helps. Yeah, it's all about setting goals and making it something that's actually kind of fun to do. Now, the other point of uh, the other part of your job as a credit counselor, before we get to the consumer proposal administrator and licensed trustee uh, insolvency, uh, credit counselor, uh, you give a lot of advice to a lot of people at BDO uh, First Call Debt Solutions, Ilya. And, and when people come, uh, how much does it cost to sit down with a professional like yourself and lay it all out? You know, I'm not happy about this. I'm not proud of what's ha- gone on, but here it is. I'm in a real pickle. How do I get out? of this how much does that cost absolutely nothing sterling that's sort of the most important thing we want people to know anybody that comes to see us gives us a call comes in and gets a completely free consultation our goal first and foremost is to get an understanding of your situation okay uh we want to know everything about you the first question i ask somebody that comes in through the door is tell me your story i want to understand who you are and where you're coming from so that I can come up with the best path forward for you possible. And we talk about every option that's available to you, whether that's with us or someone else. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's completely free. There's no charge associated with that. Okay. And in the process of of telling the story to a professional like yourself, what what have you found, your experience in the business, what have you found to be the more, the, the common denominator, the most common reasons people end up across the desk from you in a bit of a financial mess. Most often they're coming to see us uh, because something's happened in their lives. It can be anything. It's anything from a divorce, uh, an illness, uh, job loss, job loss right? yeah. uh, just something's gone wrong mm-hmm. in their lives. Uh, sometimes it's retirement. You know, uh, someone was used to living a particular lifestyle They've retired. And they're not uh, their making the same way cake down. they used to, and they're uh, still living like that. But it takes that. a while to adjust. Sure, right, It really okay. does. And one of the things I'd like to note is that initial consultation when somebody comes to see us that is completely confidential. Okay. Uh, nothing's being shared with anybody, so it's uh, completely private, completely free, and we're just here to answer your questions. Right, and, and I suppose some people would even balk at the idea of sitting down with someone like yourself because, you know, oh, you know I'm, I'm, look, it, I've created this mess. I'm aware of, the, of the, the, what, what's going on here. The last thing I need is a spanking or a scolding or some guy looking down his nose at me like, you idiot, what have you done? That's not what you do. No, that's so very true, Sterling. And one of the things that we find is the most difficult thing for people to do is pick up that phone and call us. Right. Once they have, they come in and chat with us. It's completely non-judgmental. Uh, we're there purely to help. We've seen every situation you're going to be throwing at us before. Mm-hmm. Uh, we completely understand it. And we really are here to help you. 
Our, our guest is a licensed insolvency trustee and vice president with BDO First Call Debt Solution. Ilya Margulis is in studio, and I'm going to open up our phone lines. We need to stop uh, for a couple of moments here to take a news break. But during the news break, if you'd like to jump in and, and uh, ask questions of Ilya directly, you're most welcome to do so. And here's the number, 604 604- 280-9898. Again, 604-280-9898. Your calls on, well, financial matters to our trustee from BDO First Call Debt Solutions after the news. And welcome back to the second half of the program. This hour, we're talking with Ilya Margulis, who is Vice President and Licensed Insolvency Trustee with BDO First Call Debt Solutions. You can find them online, by the way, at debtsolutions.bdo. .ca. BDO is a, is, is a major accounting firm. You're a CPA in addition to all the other credentials you carry. How long has this, uh, the, the debt unit of BDO been around? Uh, we've been around for a really long time. We're actually the longest serving debt solutions firm in this country. Okay. And I believe we've been around since 1958, which is a lot longer than I've been alive anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, a lot of credibility attached to longevity. Uh, let's. We did open the phone uh, just before we uh, took the news break. The number, if you'd like to jump in on the conversation again, is 604-280-9898. And uh, we're in Pitt Meadows. Breton, thanks for waiting. Good afternoon. Hello, yeah. My question for you is, uh, so me and my brother a few years ago, we put down 1% on title for my parents' house when they refinanced it, and this would give us some... Uh, equity and it would give them a better deal on their refinancing okay unfortunately i'll skip over the details unforeseen circumstances the house went to the bank foreclosed for under a hundred thousand under market value and now we're all on the hook but i'm equally on the hook even though i only have that one percent on uh on the one percent on the title so right now i'm just going to try to wait out the uh, statute of limitations for this all to eventually deal with itself what are my other options? Is there any way I can try to argue my case since I was only on for 1% title? Or should I just continue trying to wait out the statute of limitations? Interesting question, Brenton. Thanks. I'm going to send you back to your radio as uh, Ilya gives you a, a, re- a response here. That really is a good question. Uh, unfortunately, once you've signed on to that mortgage, uh, regardless of what percent of the house you actually own, you're sort of stuck owing just as much as uh, your parents did. Waiting out the statute of limitations might be an option, but the biggest issue will be that is if the bank decides to sue, uh, that statute of limitations no longer applies. Right, okay. So uh, then you know they can potentially garnish, uh, they can potentially uh, attach to the title on your own home if you have one. Uh, so it's something that you really do want to go in and speak to with a trustee, a licensed insolvency trustee. Okay. Uh, you can give our office a call on Monday at 604-588-4275, and we'd be happy to chat about the details and options you might have to deal with it. Uh, you can also check out our website, as Sterling mentioned earlier, at debtsolutions.bdo.ca. Uh, we'd be more than happy to sort of go through and uh, talk about your options. Uh, it's an interesting and a bit of a sticky wicket type case, but clearly there are options to discuss, Brett, and probably going to take a little longer than we have available on the radio, but they'd be very happy to see you down at the office. So if you want to just remember Ilya's name, uh, just to call BDO on Monday morning and set up an appointment, uh, and uh, he'll be happy to review your case. Uh, w- wanted to talk a little bit about the other two hats you wear, in addition to the credit counselor, because that's really... A, a, a function of being an insolvency trustee, isn't it? That it is, yeah. 
because you are required to give credit counseling to people who are going through the procedures of insolvency. Anybody that files a consumer proposal or a bankruptcy with us is actually required to attend two financial counseling or financial courses sessions. Uh, One of those sessions just focuses on helping you learn how to budget. Right. How do you make sure that your finances are set up in such a way that you don't end up back here in the future? And the second session, the most important one for a lot of people is, how do I rebuild my credit going forward? All right. Now, let's talk about that because you talked about this complimentary first session where a person, uh, say, like Breton, who's got a real financial issue on his mind and, and, and doesn't know the answer and other people in much deeper than he with even more serious problems, they sit down, and and I'm sure more than one person comes into your office, Ilya, and says, look, I know I've really screwed up. I'm in just a horrible mess. So basically, I'm here to go bankrupt and lose everything. And that's the sort of mindset they park themselves across the desk from you with. And you manage, in many cases, not all, but in many cases, to surprise them with another option. Yes. So when somebody comes in, we'll talk them through all of their options. The first one of those might be an option that we don't offer, but we send you somewhere else to do that. Fair enough. And that's consolidating your debt. That's going to a bank and saying, okay, look, I owe money on three different credit cards, maybe a line of credit, and they're all at really high interest rates. Can I get one loan? And I'll make monthly payments on that one loan, hopefully uh, at a lower percent of interest. And that way I'm taking care of everybody in full and it's more, much more manageable for me. Okay. If that option is not available, because in many cases the bank may want collateral and mm-hmm. you might not have that, then uh, the next option that we might talk to you about would be a consumer proposal. Aha. This is the one that people need to know more about. Yes. And this is one of those options that most people come in and talk to us about. And once we're done with them, they say, look, I never knew this existed. And this is the option that's right for me. Okay. Uh, So what is it? Because it's not a bankruptcy, and yet it is a recognition that you're in serious debt and are determined to get out. It's essentially entering into a single payment plan where you're making payments towards all of your debts over a period of up to five years. It, in many cases, results in you paying a lot less on the dollar than what your total debt might have been. Mm -hmm. Uh, It results in uh, all interest stopping. It stops any calls coming in from creditors. Well, that, that's, that's an, a, a, let me just stop you there, because that's a super important aspect to all of this. And, and I guess, again, at that free consultation, they learn about this. Because when you get into serious financial trouble, your life goes really downhill in a big hurry. You get nasty letters and threatening phone calls, and it just goes, the wolf is at the door, and it ain't pretty, Ilya. So all of that can be stopped. Yes, it can. And just going talking about that point for a second, one of the things that people tell us is that their cause of their financial difficulties might have been health issues. Mm-hmm. So then you get into debt problems, and then you start getting calls from creditors, and that causes stress, that causes lack of sleep, mm-hmm. that causes more health issues, yeah. and then it becomes a bit of a vicious circle. Sure. And the whole point is to try to avoid that. So yes, filing a consumer proposal will stop the calls. It really will. Um, and it stops garnishments if say CRA, uh, our good friends at CRA started garnishing your wages. Mm-hmm. It stops that as well. Uh, and it basically sets you on a path forward. 
How you, long? How long does it take from the time that you sit down and recognize that uh, maybe I don't have to go bankrupt? Maybe I don't have to lose everything. Maybe this this other option, this consumer proposal, might just work for me. So suppose you say, let's let's give it a try. How long typically would it take? Because you have to take this case to all of the creditors that that individual owes money to and negotiate a deal. Yeah. So what happens is we sit down with you. We look at your entire financial situation. You, we ask you for a whole bunch of different documents. It might take us a week to work with you to put together an actual proposal. Okay. We file that proposal with all of your creditors, and then each creditor has 45 days to get a vote in. And the important thing to note is that creditors uh, can vote yes, they can vote no, or they can vote with a counteroffer. But you only need 50, 50.1% in dollar value of your creditors to vote yes. Oh, I see. So, you know, if... Two of your credit cards voted for and one voted against, and they weren't the majority in dollar value. They're stuck following along with everybody else. Uh, so that's really important. But even if initially they vote against, uh, you know what? The majority of uh, cases, they can be negotiated along the way. Right. And ultimately, though, you, the indebted person, end up with a, uh, a licensed trustee negotiating a legitimate arrangement to get you back on track. It may take up to five years. And how badly does it mess up your credit record beyond the five years after you've repaid everybody? The consumer proposal stays in your credit history for three years from the day that you're done paying. Okay. So if it takes you five years to pay it off, then three years later, it's gone. Okay. Any record is gone from your credit history. And as part of those counseling sessions, we have taught you all the things you need to do to make sure that once it's off your credit history, you've gone ahead and rebuilt a lot of positive things in that credit report. And, and what about just by comparison, because I'm going to take a call here from Frank in Maple Ridge in a second, but just compare that in terms of impact on your credit rating, Ilya, with a bankruptcy. What, what's the difference there? A bankruptcy, depending on whether it's your first time filing, your second time filing, might last two years, might last three years. A first-time bankruptcy stays in your credit history for six years from when you're done. A uh, second-time bankruptcy is for 14 years. Oh. So, you know... Best case scenario, if you've got a lower income and you're doing a bankruptcy, you're in the bankruptcy for nine months, and then it stays in your credit history for another six years after that. With a consumer proposal, you're doing that proposal over a period of up to five years. You've got the right to prepay it at any time. Okay. So you might pay it off in three years if your circumstances improve. Mm -hmm. And then three years down the road, any any record of it is gone. Interesting. Okay. Let's get uh, back to the phones here. And uh, Frank in Maple Ridge, good afternoon. Hey, good afternoon. Go ahead to our guest, Frank, please. Yes, I'm just wondering, are, are there different types of proposals? The reason I ask, my brother filed a proposal about four years ago, and they established a monthly payment plan uh-huh. for that year. But then the following year, the payment went up about eight times. And, of course, he couldn't do that, so he, he had to annul the proposal. Hmm. So I'm just wondering, are there different types of proposals? Well, I, I can tell you my guest looks a little perplexed, Frank. <laughs> What's uh, the story here, Ilya? Now, proposals are a very flexible vehicle, uh, and the payments can be set up in lots of different ways. Okay. So usually a proposal is a fixed payment over five years. In his particular case, they might have done a proposal where 
he thought his income might go up after the first year. So he said, okay, in the first year, I'll make a payment of $100 a month. Mm-hmm. And in the second year, it'll be $200 a month. And in the third year, $300 a month. So I, without having more information, sure. I don't know what that might have been. Right. But there isn't a different type of proposal per se that can be filed. Uh, the terms might have been unique in his particular case. Okay. Uh, let's go to Ross next uh, in uh, Vancouver. Hello, Ross. Hello, how are you? I'm okay, thank you. Go ahead to our guest, please. Yeah, hi. Um, I just wanted to say that I was going to write a book, actually, that, that was called uh, Bankruptcy is Not as Scary as You Think. Okay. And uh, basically, I'm not saying to everyone, you know, hey, file for bankruptcy. However, I just like to tell my story. So I got in a situation where I got heavily into debt, couldn't handle it. And uh, so I filed for bankruptcy. Okay. Now, shortly after bankruptcy, I managed to get a credit card. It was a secured credit card. Um, now, you don't lose everything. I didn't lose anything in my home. I didn't lose my cars. There wasn't enough equity in the cars, so they allowed me to keep it. Okay. It was pretty much life as normal. The only difference is, is I had to pay cash for pretty much everything right at the start. But pretty soon, it was absolutely fine. Okay, I uh, appreciate your call. Uh, and, and, and of course, the secured credit card, uh, Ilya just lit right up when you started talking about a secured credit card. That's a remedy that you recommend, actually, it is, isn't Ross. it? That's actually a fantastic call. Uh, there are so many myths out there about bankruptcies. And so many people worry about if they come in to see us, they're going to lose everything. Mm-hmm. Well, so many of the things that the average person has are actually protected and can't be seized in a bankruptcy. Uh, as an example... Uh, in the Vancouver area anyway, the first $12,000 of equity for each owner is exempt from seizure. Uh, for a vehicle, uh, equity in a house, sorry, that was. For a vehicle, $5,000 of equity is exempt from seizure, is protected. For the majority of us, we owe more on our vehicles than they're worth. Right. So no one's taking your vehicle away. Pension plans, RSBs are generally protected as well, with some exceptions. Uh, so... Your clothing, your furniture, no one's taking that. As far as rebuilding credit goes, yes. Can I make uh, a, a, a one more? credit card gets you a long uh, way towards rebuilding your credit. You want to jump back in here, Ross? Go ahead. Yeah, one last thing, sure. actually. Right now, I, I would, I'm not bragging, but I would just like to say that my credit score is higher than anybody else's uh, with a bankruptcy right now. Every bank is uh, uh, very shocked. I'm, I'm, I think, a little over 700. And uh, I have uh, credit cards with very high limits. Mind you, I am managing so much better now, especially with the credit counseling, uh-huh. the, the sessions that I had. Good. And everything's being managed. Uh, I rack up my credit cards and I pay them off uh, before the end of the month in full. All right. Now, so Ross- basically, my life has changed. So, you know, a thank you. And that's it. Oh, now, just very quickly, because uh, I got to yeah. let you go. But just before I do, how long has it been since you went bankrupt? 2011. Okay. All right. So that's, uh, uh, Ilya, that sounds like the, the, the net result of uh, after several years. Yeah. Ross sounds like the kind of person that uh, are sort of our dream clients, the people that come out of this process, take the right steps to rebuild their lives and move forward. The whole purpose of an insolvency proceeding, whether it's a consumer proposal or a bankruptcy, is that it's a chance to get a fresh start. Right. Get your life back. And, and and back on track. And uh, it's important to know that in terms of 
licensed insolvency trustees. These people are very small, I hesitate to use the word elite, but a very small, highly educated group of individuals, fewer than 2,000 of them uh, in the entire country, and they're all supervised by the superintendent of banks, right? Uh, Superintendent of bankruptcy, Bankruptcy. which is part of Industry Canada. Industry Canada. Okay, so again, uh, these are highly skilled, highly trained people whose only job is to get you back in track. And, and Ross, a good example of someone who, t- who learned his lessons well and paid attention during those counseling sessions. That's exactly it. And one of the important things to note is licensed, licensed insolvency trustees, people like myself, are the only people in this country that are licensed, uh, have the ability to file a consumer proposal or a bankruptcy. Uh, there's other types of debt consultants mm-hmm. out there. Mm-hmm. You find them uh, online. You among find other them places. online. Yeah. They advertise. They do not have the ultimate power to actually file a bankruptcy or a consumer proposal, whereas a licensed insolvency trustee can. You're the only ones who We're can. We're the only ones that can. Right. Uh, now, one of the things that a licensed insolvency trustee is is an officer of the court. What that means is we have to balance everyone's interests. We're sort of the mediator in the middle. We balance your uh, You're not working for the individual or the banks or anybody. Uh, We have to provide a balance of everything. Okay. Now, what that allows us to do, though, is when somebody files a consumer proposal with us, we attach to that a report. That says we've looked at John's financial situation, and we've determined that the offer that he's making to you is a better offer than what you would receive in a bankruptcy. Therefore, you should accept this. If Ah. we weren't independent, that opinion would mean absolutely nothing. Uh, well, let's have one more call here before we have to uh, uh, call it a day. In Burnaby, Caitlin, hello. Hi. Go ahead to our guest, please, Caitlin. Hi. I'm just, um, so my husband and I are about a year into um, a consumer proposal. Okay. We each has two, um, he has a car loan in his name and a visa, um, an unsecured visa. And then I have a secured and an unsecured. Um, and we've had them open since we started the proposal. My question is, is my under, we rent currently and are hoping to buy when we are done um, paying off the proposal, which we're hoping to have done at around two years. My understanding is, is the bank looks for a two years of credit history. Having had two years of credit history while in our proposal and not having to wait until after the proposal to get two years, ah. which I understand a lot of people can't access credit while in their proposal. So we're building it during the proposal. Will that help us, or will we still have to wait the two to three years for a, um, a mortgage? Interesting question, Caitlin. I'm out of time, so I'll let Ilya answer, and I'll just send you back to your radio for the response. That's a great question. Once your proposal is paid off, your credit report goes into something called an R7 rating, which is proposal paid, which is where the three years uh, kicks in. It doesn't look great, but one of the things you can actually do on your credit report is add a personal note explaining your financial circumstances. Oh, okay. And so when the mortgage bank is looking at it, they'll look at more than just that R7 rating, more than just the score. They'll look at what's what's happened in the past couple of years. Including the the diligence that they've gone out and and Uh, made credit, uh, new credit history and been very good about it. Exactly. So, you know what? There's no guarantees in life, but you might have a decent chance of getting approved for a mortgage. Interesting. I appreciate the calls, and, and, so, and quite a few of them. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I wanted to say is we're available to chat with uh, people anytime. Please do reach out to us at 604-588-4275. 
or on our website, deathsolutions.bdo.ca. Now, if you're driving and you didn't get a chance to write down the phone number, we've got it here, and it's definitely on the website. Uh, just look under, well, contact at debtsolutions.bdo.ca. That's where Ilya Margulis hangs his hat. He is a licensed insolvency trustee and a vice president at BDO First Call Debt Solutions. One of the things I didn't want to note is we do have offices throughout the Lower Mainland in Vancouver, Surrey, Langley, Abbotsford, Coquitlam, and Burnaby. All of those offices' locations are available on the website. So again, check them out, debtsolutions.bdo.ca. Good to meet you, Ilya. And I understand we're going to have a chance to do this a couple more times over the summer as we hopefully stay out of debt and still manage to have some fun. It's been a pleasure to be here. Thanks, Sterling. We're back after this. And once again, our thanks to Ilya Margulis from BDO First Call Debt Solutions for a very informative visit. And thanks for your calls, too. Mr. Margulis will return in just over a month, so if you missed him today, he will be back. Coming up next hour, you'll meet the founder and owner of Ergocentric. Time now for Duly Noted, and this time our producer, Ben Dooley, looks at how you can weigh in on the new Passenger Bill of Rights. Thanks, Sterling. Canadians can now weigh in on what they want to see in an air passenger bill of rights. Transport Minister Mark Joyneau announced on Monday the government is launching consultations to get input on what obligations and standards should be placed on airlines when it comes to treating passengers humanely. It comes two weeks after legislation authorizing the Canadian Transportation Agency to begin work on creating a passenger bill of rights received royal assent. When Canadians buy an airline ticket, it has to mean something. It's a contract for service and it imposes obligations on both the airline and the passenger. We are going to make sure that airlines treat their passengers with the respect they deserve and live up to their commitments. C-49, the legislation in question, was introduced last year and laid out a framework for monetary penalties that can be levied against airlines that mistreat or fail to uphold standards of responsibility they bear to passengers. The consultations that began yesterday will run until August 28th and will go a step further and actually gather feedback from Canadians about what specific standards they think airlines should be required to meet before the companies face penalties. I'm Ben Dooley, and that's Dooley Noted. Thank you, Ben. Uh, we got another consumer quickie here before we have to wrap up the hour. So you've been studying up, and you want to reduce the amount of pop you drink, this on the cusp of summer. So are fruit drinks the best substitute? Well, not so much, according to Consumer Reports, and it's because of the sugar. Yes, fruit juices do contain vitamins and minerals and antioxidants, which gives them a nutritional edge, but that juice may also contain more sugars than a can of pop. Example, a cup of grape juice, 36 grams of sugars. A can of grape pop, 27. The researchers say stick to whole fruits instead because the fiber they contain makes your body work harder to digest the natural sugars better and they'll likely fill you up long before you eat enough fruit to match the sugar in a glass of juice. The drink version recommendation? Water. Yep, just plain water. Okay, okay, club soda too with a splash of fruit juice or fruit slices for favor. And that's our show for this hour, produced by Ben Dooley with Andrew Ferreira at the controls. We'll take a break for the news, and when we return, we'll introduce you to the founder of Ergocentric, makers of the world's best office chair. 
Stay with us. This is Vancouver Consumer on 980 CKNW. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.